Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. You are different. Drew, anyone been to the Jurassic Park? You guys remember the Jurassic Park opening? Uh, week it was epic as a kid sat front row they was like everyone scoot into the center it was a great great time um i don't know how they keep making movies though so sorry i've checked out a little while ago this morning we have pastor joey in from philadelphia and i want to give you just a little bit of his bio real quick pastor joey sings you wouldn't know that, but yet he, now he's leading singing albums. Yeah, but you listen to him preach, you're like, wow, is that just what you do? No, it's just one of the million things I've heard that he's done. He's thrown touchdown passes to Brandon Marshall in high school. He was his high school quarterback and now still his friend and things like that. Uh, he just had a child, his first child and his son, Maverick Joseph. And his wife's name is Lauren. They're right downtown in Philly. I love how God's using them. It's adventurous. It's alive. It's aggressive. It's exciting. And they have two locations and just now had a satellite location. He's writing blogs. And here's one of the coolest things is that you probably don't realize that you need to say thank you to him. But here's why. Because he's blessed your life and you never knew it. Because there's been times in this launch process before and in the last couple years that he said, hey, how's it going? What can I do to help? How can we be of service? And he's created space, carved out time for phone calls, text messages, sent over documents, had some of his team coach us in different things, all with the end in mind of heaven, but loving Lansing and loving you. And so his leadership has rippled through this church. And so I'm grateful this morning that we have him here. Would you give a warm city life welcome to Pastor Joey Furchanik? Gio, Gio, Gio. What's up, everybody? You guys doing good today? Good. Come on, you can do better than that. You guys doing well today? Good. Amen. Amen. Hey, real quick, before we get into it, uh, yeah, our church, the Block Church, reviving our city one block at a time. That's our concept in the city. I've got a, I've got a t-shirt from our new worship EP, uh, our new, our worship team, pretty eclectic community, gospel, pop, you know, worship, all kinds of different stuff. And uh, I got a small, it's a long tee. Anybody want a small, long tee? I see you over there. I saw you. Did it get there? Oh, sorry. Intercepted. I don't have it anymore. Uh, I got two of our EPs uh, that we just released, September 22nd, our first EP. Anybody really love music and still have a CD player? Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. But you got to post. You got to talk about it if I give it to you. Okay. You got to talk about it. Oh, anybody else over here? Anybody? You got to talk about it if I give it to you. Okay. Well, heads up. Heads up. Okay. I'm sorry. Someone's like, I'm never coming back to this church again. They throw things at people. Anyway, uh, really good to be here, really an honor. Uh, our, our ministry, our church uh, is for you too, and uh, you're in the city, which makes me uh, excited, and um, I'm in it with you, and we're honored to be in it with you, and I'm uh, proud of you, Jerome and family, and uh, do you guys love your pastor? Isn't he passionate, amazing? Yeah, really is. <clears throat> Well, hopefully you join me today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about what I've learned over the past few years this afternoon. I really think it'll help you if you want to be a leader, if you want to see God do 
all that you want to see him do in this church. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay some things on the line and get pretty vulnerable and honest with you uh, at, after this service. So not that I won't be right now, but you know, later when we talk leadership too. So uh, anybody hate to wait? Anybody hate to wait? Just hate to wait. I hate to wait. I hate to wait on really anything. I hate to wait so much that I will break the law so I don't have to wait. And you're judging me and looking at me like I shouldn't have a microphone as a preacher because I'll break the law, but so will you. How many of you drive? Exactly. And uh, you have broken the law probably this morning, speeding, because you could not wait to get to church. Amen. God bless you. Okay, yeah. And the thing is, is you're more guilty than I am because I live in the city. I know you live in the city too, but like it's a little bit different in Philly. Like I only have one car. I barely use it. Uh, so I don't even speed that much. You're way more guilty than I am. Um, and, and so uh, my, I, I've learned something of being married that God made woman uh, for man so that she would teach him how to wait. You believe that? Any husbands with me? Yeah. I mean, there is just this perpetual cycle of waiting on my wife uh, to get ready. Okay? This is, this is the crux of most uh, just drag out fights on how long does it take to get ready. We're going to be late. Thank you for four of you that joined me in that notion. We're going to be late. And I, and I don't like to be late because uh, I want to get there. I want to get there, and uh, which, anyway, I've tried all kinds of strategies. Get ready before, get ready after, uh, get ready while she's getting ready. Just I've tried everything to avoid waiting, but at the end of the day, I'm still waiting. And, uh, but I've learned something that uh, I can either waste my wait, be frustrated, get on social media and do nothing, or I can be productive while I wait. I've learned that, you know, these 30 minutes that used to frustrate me can be some of the most valuable 30 minutes or hour or two hours. It can be the most valuable time that I have in being productive. So instead of getting on social media, I might make a phone call that I know my wife does not want to listen to while we're in the car going somewhere. Or I might write a blog for 30 minutes, or I might work on my message, or I might write something. There are productive things that you and I can do while we wait. The problem is we waste our weight all the time. And the thing is, is you're not just waiting for your spouse. You're not just waiting uh, to go somewhere. Uh, spiritually speaking, we are constantly on a journey of waiting. God, God prepares us as believers in a slow process, and he doesn't always give us all the things that we want, because if we get what we want before we are prepared, we will not be able to steward it and sustain it. And I want to teach you around the idea today, the idea today of not wasting your weight. Look at somebody next to you and just say, don't waste your weight. Look at them, come on, don't waste your weight, don't waste your weight, don't waste your weight. You know, you can be good even when your scenario and your circumstance is bad. You can be faithful even when your dream seems impossible. And all of us have dreams. We've got visions. We want to get there. Whatever there is for us, we want to get there. Uh, you, you might desire, you're single right now. You're saying, man, I really want to be married. I really want to have a family. That is there for you right now. Somebody like, I really want to start a company. I really want to start a business. I really want to start making real money. That's your there. 
Jerome, myself, we're looking at our churches going, we really want to see this thing explode, be everything uh, that we, belong, we want to get there. I don't know what your there is, but we all have a there. And, and the thing is is, 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 is we'll never get there unless we're faithful with here. That's where you say, yeah, amen, that's for you, neighbor. We'll never get there until we're faithful with here. And if we hurry up to get there, once we get there, we'll not be satisfied with it and we'll not be prepared to sustain it. And the thing is, have you ever heard the phrase, hurry up and wait? There's something powerful about that that we've never uh, quite grasped. That the most powerful place in your journey as a believer is actually waiting, not succeeding in the way the world sees success. And I want to I want to mirror to uh, the, the the book of second chapter of second Peter today and the life of Joseph. There are a lot of similarities. And what's happening in second Peter, excuse me, first Peter chapter two and then this whole book of first Peter and what's happening in Joseph's life. You're familiar with the book of jo or the story of Joseph, right? What's happening is there is a there really is a parallel. OK, Peter is writing to the Christians in a time in which uh, Nero has burned Rome down and Rome and the Roman citizens are blaming the Christians for it. So now the church is going under a great deal of persecution and Jesus has said to the church, man, go and make the disciples, go on all the earth, explode this thing. And they're going, explode this thing. We don't even know if this thing's going to survive. And it's this, the believer's job to, to, to trust the process, to wait on God's redemption. And then same goes with Joseph. I mean, Joseph really is this type and shadow of who Christ is. He goes through stuff. He's sold out. He's beat up. But he's got a mission and a dream, but the process for him to get to the dream is actually our progress. And, and, and so there, there's this passage in 1 Peter chapter 2, I want to read it to kick us off. It says, so get rid of all evil behavior. Good luck. See you never. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all kind of, un, er, of unkind speech. I just want to stop there for a moment and just acknowledge that uh, nobody is there yet. If you think you're there, well, you, you are quite mistaken. You're further from being there than any of us if you think you're there. Because the reality is, as all of us uh, have at times bad thoughts, uh, there is a wickedness and a spiritual attack that we're fighting. We have unkind speech. Some of you on your way to church this morning had some unkind things to say to your spouse because they were making you wait or because they didn't like how you were driving. See, some of you right now are going, this is this word's for me. Uh, so there, are, there is a level of hypocrisy in all of us, Right? Uh, there, there are, there's jealousy, there's all kinds of things. And, and Peter is telling us, you must crave spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for nourishment. Now, uh, what I, I just, my son is two months old and uh, he is amazing, he's beautiful, he's incredible, all these things. But I'm learning some things that you take for granted the older you are. Like, for instance, I got to hold his head up. And, and, and uh, some days I'm like so stressed out because I think like if I don't hold his head up, his head's just going to roll off. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is my first kid, so stop judging me, okay? <laughs> Jerome has like 14 kids. He's like, I don't even know where they are. I don't even know their names. <laughs> hold their head up. Uh, who knows if they're even eating today? I have no clue. <laughs> and so, so anyway, but, 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 but this idea of going back to the basics... And I think the principle of waiting, it is how we drink that spiritual milk. 
And I want to go to Genesis. I want to, I want to, I want to walk through this story. Now, some context here, uh, just like I gave you context for Peter, some context in Genesis is Joseph, he's been given this dream. He has this dream that he might be a leader, that he might lead the 12 tribes of Judah, that there is something he's supposed to carry on this lineage of Israel, of the great uh, patriarchs of the faith. He's got this dream, and his, his father Jacob loves him so much for a lot of reasons, and we won't get into it, but he gives him this coat of many colors. You familiar with? with it, right? And then this code, and, and it's just this sign of God's favor and of his love. And his brothers are jealous because Joseph speaks up quite, maybe too soon, tells them this stuff. And they're like, yo, this guy, no way we're going to kill him. So instead of killing him, they sell him into slavery. And this is where we pick up Genesis chapter uh, 37. Bible says, meanwhile, the Midianites traders arrived in Egypt where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh. The king of Egypt, Potiphar, was captain of the palace guard. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord, read this, the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served. Everybody say served in the house of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything. That word is key, everything. That means while he's waiting, while he's serving, while he's a slave, in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. That's a good gig, right? But why? How is it possible that Joseph was a nobody, a Hebrew, inferior to the Egyptians, yet he succeeded and Potiphar, a well-to-do Egyptian, might look at this Hebrew boy and say there's something on his life. Well, here's what I believe. If you're not going to waste your weight, you need to know that serving and success are synonymous. You cannot succeed God's way unless you learn how to serve God's way. If you don't learn to embrace serving, you won't be adaptable enough to succeed. Now, let me clarify. I don't necessarily just mean serving in God's house, which if you're not already on a dream team, you need to join one. Okay, but that's not necessarily what I'm communicating because when you come here, the, the climate of serving is going to feel like San Diego, right? It's going to be good and healthy and not too hard. But what God's asking you to do and the way that Joseph served and he's went to a job where somebody didn't like him and he served. He went into a house where he wasn't welcomed and he served. For you, right? You, you, sometimes we go into jobs and we see ourselves as slaves, but really we're called to be servants. Joseph goes into a scenario in which he may not be accepted. You go into schools, uh, you go into your workplace, sometimes you walk around in your home on eggshells and you feel like you're not accepted, you're inferior, but God has still called you to serve. And here's Joseph, and what, what I want you to know is that if you don't learn and embrace serving, you will not be adaptable enough to succeed God's way. Because the reality is life is full of ups and downs, twists and turns, things that we don't like and that we don't expect, but blessed are the flexible, for they will not be bent out of shape. And if, and if you don't learn that serving is your flexibility, you will live your life bent out of shape, frustrated and never getting there because you're stuck right here. See, even in the worst of climates, when you invest in a God's economy, the harvest is still plentiful, abundant, and full of return. 
Here's Joseph seeing life, thinking about life through God's economy. And here's Peter communicating to the believers today, yesterday what we need to know today, that if we do it God's way, even though it doesn't look like it's good ground, when you sow, you are preparing to reap a harvest. I remember my first assignment, I, I, I was going to play football right out of high school. I, I ended up not. I did it later. But I worked in my church for three years. And I remember my first assignment my youth pastor gave me. He said, I want you to go make a sign. I said, make a sign. I don't even know how to write my name in cursive. What does that mean? And he said, go make a sign. So I'm going and I'm working on the sign and I bring it back. And he said, this is not excellent. I don't think you gave your full attention to this matter. I said, uh, okay, you know, and he said, go back, fix it. So I bring my second iteration of the sign back. Still not pleased. After my third sign that he did not like, I started to get frustrated. Well, oh, you would get frustrated too, Right. And I'm frustrated, and I'm starting to think about all the other things that he's got me doing, like going and picking pastors up from airports and, and sitting on meetings and helping them. And then he's got me going to Sam's Club and picking up danishes that I'm not even allowed to eat. And I'm finding myself really frustrated. But did you know that when you get frustrated about one thing that's a heart matter, you'll think about all the other things that really aren't frustrating, but you'll choose to get frustrated about them too? I know I'm talking to somebody. And, and so, so here I am frustrated about things that I actually wanted to do. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I signed up to be a preacher. I signed up to save the world. And this guy's got me making signs. But what the Holy Spirit revealed to me and what my pastor wanted me to know is that if I was too big to serve, then I'm way too small to lead. And what he wanted me to know is that I wasn't a slave. I was actually a farmer sowing seeds. And you are not a slave. You're a farmer in every area of your life sowing seed. What he wanted me to know is that I could not hold a mic until I learned how to make a sign. And I don't know what your there is. My end goal was to do this right here, right now. But if I didn't learn how to serve, I would really have no validity and place and anointing to stand here and deliver this word to you. I did not have this illustration until I failed at making a sign. And what I'm trying to teach you today and what I want you to know is if you want to succeed, if you want to get there, if you want to meet your dreams and walk your God calling and see the things happen in your life, you've got to be adaptable. And the only way to be adaptable is to embrace God's principle of serving. And the local church is one of the best places to start that. But it has to happen on Monday when you don't want to. On Tuesday, when your spouse is driving you crazy. On Wednesday, when your boss doesn't appreciate you. On Thursday, when your kids are insane. On Friday, when, when your school doesn't accept you. On Saturday, when all you do is feel like laying around, but somebody in your house needs you to serve them. If you don't learn to embrace serving, you'll never get there. You'll stay stuck right here. Right here. Some of us view things as a trap. But God, uses it, use, God sees it as fertilizer. He, he sees these things as an opportunity. The seed of service you sow today will reap a harvest of position and purpose tomorrow. Look what 1 Peter 2.5 says. It says, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. If you view yourself as a slave, not a priest, priests are called to serve. But you are a holy priest. And right here, through the meditation, mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. If you offer yourself and your service as a sacrifice, he will build your temple. So why don't you try serving while you wait? Come on, you with me? If you are, say yes. Okay. Here's what happens next. Here's what happens next. 
So the Bible says Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Now, this is definitely a theme for Joseph's. Very handsome, very well-built. I thought you'd get that. My name is Joseph. And Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master, he trusts me with everything in the entire household. Let me skip a few verses for the sake of time. Basically, she keeps pressing him. Sleep with me, sleep with me, sleep with me. Let's jump down to verse 19. Potiphar was, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. Hmm. Another unbelievably unfair scenario for Joseph. First, he gets sold into slavery by his family, by his brothers who were supposed to care for him. And now he goes and serves, serves faithfully and successfully. And the very God that he serves, even though he doesn't wrong him, now throws him into prison. Doesn't it feel like that sometimes? Where it's like, God, I'm doing the right thing, but I'm not seeing the right results. You ever feel that way? So you just started giving or you're committing to giving through God's local church and you just started giving and you thought immediately, if I start giving, if I take this step of faith, man, God's going to come through. All my bills are going to be paid. My car is going to work. All these things. And it's not that it won't happen, but sometimes uh, the, the heater breaks and the car breaks down before you have the breakthrough. Right? Sometimes it's like, whoa, God, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't you know what I need? Don't you know what I want? I trusted you just a little bit. But here's what I'm trying to tell you today. That integrity, it won't get you there fast, but it will get you there whole. It won't. And here's Joseph in a situation going, yo, God, I did it your way. I served. I was on my path to leadership, and this is a huge setback. But God does not view our setbacks as setbacks. He prepares them as set-ups. And here you are today thinking that because you're doing it God's way, you're getting pushed back and set back. But there's a difference between pushbacks and real setbacks. God is setting you up for success so that you can get there. But God is more concerned about a right here because get there will still have a right here. Come on, somebody. It's all a process. I love what 1 Peter says in 2.11, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Have integrity, if you will. That's what he's saying. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, you may see your God, good deeds and glorify your God on the day of visitation. I see, Peter is basically saying and repeating the story of Joseph to us saying, even though people fail you and hurt you and mistreat you, and even though it's not happening as fast as you want it to, have integrity, have character, because there's something powerful in that. And there's, I believe there's usually a link between experiencing human injustice and walking out your God journey. Why? Because God wants to position us to be blessed, to practice our faith journey, and temptations often Help us experience what it means to have integrity. You thought your testing and your temptations were bad, but actually they were for your good. Listen to what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said, a person who constantly calls attention to his trials and sufferings is in danger of developing a martyr complex and of making others feel that he is consciously seeking sympathy. 
It's possible for one to be self-centered in a self-denial and self-righteous in a self-sacrifice. Now, let me stop here before I continue reading this. Some of us, we wallow in our stuff and we curse what God is trying to bless. Our circumstances, our situations that are difficult, or our upbringing, or are the things that we weren't given. Sometimes we use that as a place to self-loathe and make ourselves feel better and may try to make others, people feel bad for us. And what Martin Luther King Jr. here is going, if you continue to wallow in your self-pity, you'll never get to where I've called and meant for you. And so he goes on to say, I'm, I'm weary to share this with you because of that. But hear me for the sake of the context of this. He says, I've been arrested five times in 1960 and put in Alabama jails. My home has been bombed twice. A day seldom passes that my family and I are not recipients of threats of death. I've been the victim of a near fatal stabbing. So in a real sense, I've been battered by the storms of persecution. I must admit that at times I've felt alone. But at every time a temptation appeared for me to run away and to hide and to go into obscurity, something came to strength and sustain my determination. I learn now that the master's burden is light precisely when we take his yoke upon us. Never succumb to the temptation of bitterness. Isn't that powerful? I mean, he's, he's saying... Look, I've been through some of the worst things on the planet and the temptation for me is to not have integrity, to not have character, to run away and not stand for what I believe in. I've been put in jail five times. I've been ripped to shreds. I've been torn apart. But I will not succumb to bitterness. See, the thing is, is the greatest battle against our integrity is being bitter, seeing other people succeed or seeing other people advance that you think that you should advance in their place. But aren't you glad that this race is between me and God and not me and somebody else? And, and, and here is Martin Luther King illuminating this. And what's beautiful about this is King's legacy, it lives on. His purpose was fulfilled even when his dreams seemed impossible. Never underestimate the power of your integrity. Who you are when nobody's watching or when it's easy to compromise. The jail might be the most important place of your journey. You understand that Joseph spent 14 years in prison. But don't you know that the prison was actually the most important place for his purpose? And I don't know what prison you feel like you're in, or I don't know what scenario or circumstance or trap you feel like you're in, but it's possible that the cell that you feel like you're in is actually the place where God is developing you for your purpose. It's possible. The church of Jesus Christ that was going through great persecution as Peter is writing this was the most important time for the church in human history. Why? Because persecution, it led them to progress. It's not that the bad things that happen to us are actually bad. Sometimes the bad things that happen to us are actually good and it's in the midst of the fire that God begins to prepare us for his glory. He does. But there are so many of us that miss out on our God journey because we keep taking the easy way out. We keep cutting corners. We have no follow through. People can't believe us because we're always late. We, we, we don't follow through and do what we say. We say a lot of things, but there's nothing to back that up. I don't know where in your life you're cutting corners. I don't know where in your life you're not having integrity. I don't know where in your life you're saying, I need to get there, and it would just be easy for me to sidestep or go this way. Nobody will know about my compromise. No one will know about my secret sin. But you know what? God does. 
And God cares about you so deeply. He loves you so much that he's willing to discipline those he loves and bring some chastisement to you so that you might be prepared and so that your soul might be saved. So stop fighting the process. Stop trying to go around and not have integrity and stop trying to hide your sin. Get with somebody. Get into a small group. Confess so that you might be healed, so that you might make some progress. We got to learn to have integrity while we wait. That's the hardest part. That's the hardest part. Genesis 39, 21. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. Aren't you glad that God's not afraid of places that nobody else wants to go? Aren't you glad that somebody planted a church in Lansing, Michigan, where maybe somebody else didn't want to go? Aren't you glad that God goes to your job even though nobody else wants to be there? God wants to be there because his heart beats for souls. His heart beats for people. My church is one mile away from the largest open-air drug market in the Northeast United States. And God's there. God's there. And Joseph had God's favor in prison. The Bible says... The Bible says, and, and the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. You see the pattern there? Did you ever see that with people? Some people, no matter what they do, no matter what they touch, it turns to gold, it works. And there are other people that it seems like no matter what they do, they just fail, they flop. Why is that? Why is it that Joseph would be sold as a slave and while he's a slave be successful and then wrongly accused, thrown into prison and then while he's there, rise to the top and be successful and be a leader even in prison? Why? Here's why. Because I believe that those with unrelenting faithfulness experience unreasonable favor. If you want to not waste your weight, you will learn that your unrelenting faithfulness will result in God's unreasonable favor. It was so good they dropped their phone. God is faithful even when we're not. Aren't you thankful for that? That, that, that even when we didn't deserve grace, even when we didn't deserve mercy, God gave it to us. However, what happens when we partner our faithfulness with his? It equals favor. It opens doors that are unbelievable that no man can shut. And it's not circumstantial. It's about where our heart is. You think that somebody else's favor has something to do with their circumstance, but it has nothing to do with their circumstance and has everything to do with their unrelenting faithfulness. And look what Peter says in 2, 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong good, to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant, the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. What? God, you want me to live as a slave? It's a mindset. 
It's an ideal. It's an ideology. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of living. Here's Joseph going, I know that I was a slave according to them, and I know that I'm a prisoner according to them, but really I'm God's slave. I'm God's prisoner, and that God can put me in his own form of chains, which is love, and I'll be more free under God's authority than I will under anybody else's. And because I live... Because I live under God's economy and because I do things God's way, I will be faithful even to people who don't deserve it. And I'll be faithful because I'm being faithful to God, not to man. And God will always make his way and his success known. And that's why Paul goes on to say that he's working out things for your good. And really what he's saying is, is even the bad things. Even the things that you don't want and don't appreciate. And I would say this to you today. Don't ever use your circumstance as an excuse not to excel. Use your fortitude and instead make unlikely progress. I don't want any excuses from the body of Christ. I can't succeed. I got my, my, my boss is too uh, angry. I, I can't. My, my wife, she's not engaged. I can't say. Uh, you, we come up with excuses all the time. And what I would say to you today is do what Joseph did. And let's follow what Peter's instructing us to do. Is let's be faithful with what we have and where we're at. And let's see God do something miraculous out of nothing. I, I was studying while I was preparing this message and I kept reading articles and I came to this conclusion. There's four main things that make people successful. Four main things. And if you're taking notes, and even if you're not, I'd write these down because somebody wants to start a business someday and somebody wants to succeed someday and somebody wants to have a good marriage someday. And, and these four things really make us successful. Here's number one. You ready? Consistent persistence. Consi just, man, I, I'm just consistent. I keep showing up. They can count on me, and I can count on myself. Number two, teachability and adaptability. Are you teachable? Do you stay humble? See, prideful people are not teachable, therefore they stay in the same place, and their vision is skewed. Number three, mental fortitude. When something happens and when it feels like, oh man, there's a setback, or oh, we're losing, mental fortitude, knowing and keeping tunnel vision, knowing the end goal. And the last one, working hard on the right things. There's, a, there's people who work hard, but they work hard on stupid things. Now, I'm not suggesting some of you need a big social media platform for your businesses and for all those things, but there's some of us, we work so hard on social media and liking certain people and then seeing posts and not liking their posts and making a point to subtweet by not liking and all these different things. And we work really hard on social media, but are we working hard on the right things? Some of you, all you do, man, you work so hard on advancing and making money and starting things, and you say it's for your family, but in the meantime, your family is failing. Are you working hard on the right things? On the right things. Be faithful with where you're at and what God's got. Be faithful while you wait and watch God pour out his unreasonable favor. Proverbs 28, 20. A faithful man will abound with blessings. But whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Well, what am I saying? There is no such thing as a get-rich-quick scheme or get-success-quick or get-position-quick or you name it. There is only be radically faithful now and find unreasonable favor later. That's it. That's all it is. That's all it is. Maybe somebody can come up and play. I'm almost done. Let's go to Genesis chapter 40. And let me close with this. 
before I read this next portion, there's a lot of things that happen. You should go back and read the story. But ultimately what's happening is Joseph interprets a dream and one of his buddies in jail gets out and he essentially forgets about him. And the Bible says Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. I want to say this to you, that it's never a bad thing to help somebody else succeed, even if you think they forgot about you. Because God's not forgotten about you. There's no seed that you sow that you won't reap a harvest because God is not a man that he should lie and he will not be mocked. Finally, the king's chief cupbearer spoke up. Today I have been reminded of my failure, he told Pharaoh. There was a young Hebrew man with us in the prison who was a slave of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams and he told us of what each of our dreams meant. Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. Even when you feel like it doesn't matter, you should still walk out your dreams and practice your gifts. You will be in charge, the Bible says, of my court and all of my people, all of my people, all of my Egyptian people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on the throne, will have a rank higher than yours, Pharaoh said to Joseph. I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Isn't that unbelievable? I mean, think about the story of Joseph. He's sold into a pit, then he's moved into a prison, and in one moment... He's promoted to a palace in one moment. But the thing is, is it wasn't one moment. It was many, 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 many years of development. Many years. It was, it was pain. It was process. But it's similar to what Christ did. Joseph never complained. He was never angry. He was just faithful and consistent. Look at what Peter says in 2.23. When they hurled insults at Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats and said he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. In other words, Jesus, he mirrors Excuse me, Joseph, he mirrors what, jo what, what Jesus came to do. Joseph just said, you know what? I trust you, God. I know it's been 14 years. I know people are advancing, but there's a dream that you gave me, and I don't believe that you're a liar. I'm going to wait on you. And if you're not going to waste your wait, you will remember that God has not forgotten about your dream. So wait on him, the one who gave it to you in the first place. God has not forgotten about your gifts. Wait on him who's given you that. Learn to practice your gifts even when nobody else appreciates it. Learn, learn to, listen, listen, there are not one million people watching my YouTube channel, okay? But I'm going to still put my YouTube up, right? Because someday, somewhere at the right time, somebody's going to hear a word from God through me because I was just faithful in obscurity. I was just faithful. And I want you to know this as I'm closing today. God reveals our purpose and prepares his servants in a slow cooker, not a microwave. We want, we want God, God, just hurry up. Hurry up, you know, throw this, this, this leftover spaghetti and throw it in the, in the microwave and, and get the meatballs hot and, and get everything else hot. And we want it to be done in a moment. We want to be there in a moment. But that's not what God has meant for you. What happens is when you get in there and you want to act like leftovers, you become a copycat. And God made you to be an original. That's why he puts you in a slow cooker and in an oven. And that's why it takes time because you are not a copycat. You're meant to be 
and original. So he says, I got to get all of it warm. I got to get the edges crispy. I got to get every piece of you right because there's somewhere that I'm taking you. Abraham, he waited 25 years for his promised son. Noah, 120 years for the rains to fall. Jacob waited 14 years to have Rachel. Joseph, 14 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Job, 60 to 70 years for God's justice. David, 20 years to become king. Simeon, his entire life to see Jesus. Hannah, 19 years for a child. Come on, somebody. I know you're waiting. Hosea waited on his wife to stop being unfaithful. 120 of the apostles and disciples waited weeks or months in an upper room with no air conditioning so they could have the Holy Spirit so they could walk out what God's called them to walk out. What are you waiting on today? It's not about how long. It's about your faithfulness in the midst of getting there. But please remember that there is just as important as right here because once you get right there, there will still be a right here. None of these people of God were passive. They were active. Don't waste your wait. Be active even while you're waiting. Come on, if you believe that today, would you say yes and amen? Come on, let's give God a praise today. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes all over this room? Nobody moving. I want to ask two questions today. Question number one is, do you know God? Maybe at one point you knew him, but you don't know him anymore. And you're just sensing, man. You just feel God's presence here today. You just sense God's knocking at the door of your heart. You don't have a relationship with Jesus at all. Or at some point, you knew him, but you don't anymore. And he's here to meet you. He's saying, come home. If that's you in this place, you're not where you need to be with God and you want to make things right with God, you want to know God today, would you lift your hand right where you're at? I want to pray for you right now. Right now, right now, right now. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you all over this room. I want to pray a prayer today. I want the whole church to pray this prayer out loud. And for those of you who lifted your hands, man, say this out loud. And then today, today, tell somebody, find a leader, find a pastor, tell them that you prayed this prayer today. Can you pray this with me, church? Everybody out loud. Let's say, Jesus, I trust you today. I need you today. I believe in the cross. I believe in the resurrection. Be the Lord and leader of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I'm coming home to you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen? If you prayed that, man, find somebody and tell them best decision you'll ever make in your entire life. Second thing I want to ask today is if you need prayer, you're struggling to trust God while you wait and you need him to strengthen you. The Bible says that when we wait on the Lord, we will be strengthened and we will rise up and have wings as if we were eagles. We will be encouraged. We will soar. If that's you today and you need to be strengthened, would you lift your hand right where you're at? I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you. Let's pray together. Father, right now in Jesus' name, strengthen my brothers and my sisters today. I pray that they would mount up with wings like eagles, that they would begin to soar, that you would strengthen them in their here so that they can go and get there. Bless them. Bless this church in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give it up for Jesus. Pastor Joey. You know, I think for a lot of us in this room, the perspective shift of your today game is now going to change your end game. And I love it. I really do. I think God is, uh, he's just the master level chef. He doesn't waste one ingredient. 
in your life. Uh, if you would, I would love if we could pray for Pastor Joey. His wife's back home with a two-month-old. And though we got 40 kids, we remember what one was like. And um, it is no joke. And um, yeah. If you guys would extend a hand, maybe um, whatever you like to do and how you pray. Jesus, we thank you for Pastor Joey. God, we thank you for the sign that he was used to make because it was moments like that that made him able to preach. God, I pray that it's always the moments in private that you'll continue to just move in public through the block church. God, right now we pray that there will be team members that become more ignited, that the whole dream team will be so united with passion to serve and lift up his arms and execute the vision that you've put on his heart and Lauren's heart and God that they'll run they'll run fast but they'll also rest terrifically God it'll be a celebration every day will feel like a joy God I pray that the times when his hands are to the plow it will feel like a fun game with you that every moment is awesome and encouraging and inspiring right now in the name of Jesus God Jesus discouragement and doubt be gone in the name of Jesus Christ. God, we pray for courage and confidence like never before. God, we pray for more leveling up and we pray that you will do continued amazing works in Philadelphia. And just let it be your will that maybe the Eagles can win the Super Bowl too. In the name of Jesus, God, bless them, bless Maverick. Let them have a great time. And don't forget about the Lions. We got to get there too. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.